This is a podcast where real doctors discuss fake medical emergencies. That means that unless your environment is as toxic as William McKinley High School, this podcast is not medical advice. If you need medical advice or medical care, please contact your doctor. Also, this episode does deal with sensitive topics including sexual abuse, mostly with regards to the ethics and requirements of reporting that kind of abuse. Just wanted to give listeners a heads up. Hi, everybody. I'm Jackson Bain. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Nip Truck, a pimp my ride for uh, tractor trailers. Oof. This is Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine podcast. Every week we talk about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. You can find this podcast online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HiEverybodyMD.com or by visiting www.HiEverybodyMD.com on the World Wide Web. You can also call us on your telephone or text us on your cellular telephone at 530-DOCTOR. That's 530-D-O-C-T-O-R-B. The B stands for birthmark, which was one of our B plots in this episode. The B stands for B plot. Oh, God. That that B plot, though, really made me cringe hard. Yeah. Uh, we are watching season one, episode eight of Nip Tuck, which was uh, Clara Fitzgerald. Kara Fitzgerald. Kara Fitzgerald. Uh, but before we get into the episode, a little bit of housekeeping. First off, I want to let you know that the time for our WonderCon panel has been announced. It'll be Saturday, the 27th of March at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. No idea what time that is, Zulu. No. Um you can find more information of it, about it on WonderCon, I think, WonderCon.com. Yep. Uh, and we will also be doing, Jackson and I, a Reddit AMA on Wednesday the 17th, St. Patrick's Day, roughly 10 a.m. By roughly, I mean exactly. So show up tomorrow if you're listening to this on the day we launch it. Ask us some questions. Give us some updates and um, help us spread the word. Yes, please. We would appreciate it a lot. Especially after talking about an episode like this. Yeah. And Uh, one last thing before we get into it, uh, I want to say thank you to those of you who have been talking about the show and helping spread the word. And also a shout out to uh, Rebecca, who uh, let me know that she was curious exactly how many of the podcasts that I mentioned at the beginning of the show are real. The answer is zero. The answer is none. Zero is a number. I think zero for now. You never know. I brought up a couple. I I brought up when I guessed it on a couple of them. So maybe three. Sure. Let's go with that. (laughs) I'm not 100% sure how many of them are real, to be honest. Some of them sound real realistic. Not Nip Truck, though. Not not, Nip Truck. No. My my favorite is still Dubstep, Dubstep, Dubstep. No. Nope, nope. Nobody, nope. Um, but Jackson, why did you pick this episode of Nip Tuck? It's a show that I had never seen before. So Nip Tuck was actually um, suggested by one of our listeners. So I thought this would be a great one to discuss. So kind of going through the list of episodes, uh, this episode in particular deals with a couple topics that I deal with on a daily basis, but also one topic in particular, uh, which deals with family beliefs that is, I've only had to deal with one time and it is a very very challenging case yeah and there was a content warning warning at the beginning of the episode that jackson didn't hear but uh for those of you who skipped over that there that we're going to talk about things like abuse 
yeah. in this episode. So heads up on that. It's it's going to be a fun-filled romp. Yeah, it's, um, as your wife said, a feel-good episode. Like, yeah. Why did I pick such a feel-good episode? Um, this one's a good one just to discuss like medicine, but also kind of ethical issues that sometimes I have to deal with in the mm-hmm. hospital itself. But the A-plot of all of this deals with um, the, the namesake character, Kara Fitzgerald, who gets hit by a car by Sean's kid. Mm-hmm. Sean's one of the two plastic surgeons that Correct. are the lead characters of the show. Sean McNamara and Kristen Troy, mm-hmm. both fine, upstanding gentlemen. Yeah, gentlemen. as are all Ryan Murphy characters. Ryan Murphy does like to write about troubled, troubled characters, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I believe this is one of the earlier shows he did. I'm yeah. I'm fairly sure it's one of the this it, was it was before Glee. It was definitely before Glee. Yes. And this one was like a, a crazy show. Uh, one thing I did want to mention before we started all of this is the whole concept of the Shabbos Goy. Um, mm-hmm. When I remember like rotating through certain Jewish hospitals and remembering on the Sabbath the Jewish elevate the Sabbath elevators, and I don't know if you've ever dealt with that before. I have not. So what, on the Sabbath, you're not allowed to do any kind of manual labor. Mm-hmm. So there are certain elevators that were set to Sabbath mode that would run and stop on every single floor so you can get on without having to press a button. And then um, it would stop on each floor, open up, you can get off or wait for the next floor. Newbie me didn't realize that that was the elevator that was designated for this. So I got on there. I'm like, who pressed all these buttons? Ghost elevator. Ghost elevator. Why do I have to wait on every single floor to go through. So when he mentioned that, I'm like, okay, this is already triggering me for my medical past. I should <laughs> but in this situation, um, he was driving the car for his Jewish friend, arguing over the radio, letting his while high, while high, letting his Jewish friend press buttons on the radio to change the music. That's a no no. That's a bad Shabbos Goy. That is a very bad Shabbos Goy. And then they accidentally hit this Kara Fitzgerald person, but didn't realize he they hit her? Mm-hmm. That was confusing to me. They were high. Yeah, but also was the car high because there was no like uh, spider webbing of the glass or blood mm-hmm. anywhere. The car couldn't have been that high. Right. And they knocked her... They knocked her clear off the road and into a ditch, which is why they didn't see her. So they they legitimately thought that that they hadn't hit anyone. Yeah, and until they found out that someone was hit. But you would think that if you got out of the car, there would be a dent in the mm-hmm. bumper or like at least a crack on the windshield because they were going pretty darn fast. Yeah, it was a classic car, so it was like a. This is not a 2021 Civic with crumple zones. Yes, it was all real American steel. But even except then, it might have been Italian. Yes, um, but even then, the bumper should have crumpled at least, right? Mm-hmm. Also, it's not real American glass. I mean, That's true. So that should have shattered too. And then I'll, I'll always, I always ask the blood. Mm-hmm. There was none, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, even thinking about my last two weeks of work with all my pedestrian versus automobile incidents. Something always gets hurt, and there's always mm-hmm. something broken, at least considering the level of people getting hit. Something in the cart, you mean? No, something on the person, too. Oh, okay. Well, I guess both. Um, car versus person. Car usually wins. 
in this situation. And I would have expected her to be in a bigger mess than what they showed. Wow. Yeah. And they did show like the next scene. She was in the hospital and she was, I guess, in the ICU maybe. Yeah. And they bandaged her whole face up, but they said Mm -hmm. she never woke up. And that's one of those situations where if you're not waking up, that means you're probably not breathing well. So I'm surprised they didn't put a tube in her mouth. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's my standard complaint of um, ICUs in general. Not enough like tubes, not enough lines and all that stuff. And not Mm -hmm. monitoring in that general. Right. And she was... She was the one whose mother was a Christian scientist, and she was a Christian scientist. And so... Christian scientists are, like, a very difficult... You you want to respect everyone's, like... How do I say it? Like, respect their will and all that stuff, too, right? Um, And a lot of times, Christian scientists do not end up in my hospital. The only time they end up in the hospital is someone else who is not part of the family calls 911 to bring the patient into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Like like in a car accident situation or a pedestrian versus automobile situation, that's usually how they end up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And um I don't know, have you ever like talked to a Christian scientist or like know what their beliefs are? I know a little bit. I know that it is a medical intervention is pretty much across the board a no no it's yes you, uh not just no medication no surgery uh nothing nothing that would interfere essentially with god's will yeah, as and, far as and what they healing be- yeah and what they believe too is that sickness is an illusion mm-hmm. so it is a mental state or a mental error that's not physical and that's kind of hard to explain, too, because, I, I mean, the standard thing that we're taught in medical school, usually for religious stuff, is Jehovah's Witnesses don't allow us to transfuse blood. Mm-hmm. But there's always that wink-wink, nudge-nudge situation where if it's a young child who needs blood, they just go, well, if you've done it, you've done it. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like the loophole, right? That doesn't exist with Christian scientists, and it makes it a lot more challenging to make sure you're doing the best that you can for the patient. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to overstep someone's religious belief because, you know, you want to respect everyone's beliefs and customs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But when it gets to a situation where there could be permanent damage, it makes it very, very hard. And you're playing mm-hmm. a lot with ethics and morals at that situation. And when she mentioned the thing about a healer, I guess, coming in, or a practitioner, sorry, coming in to treat her that one hit home because we've had situations like this before where a family would request that their christian scientist practitioner would come in and pray with them to heal the pain mm-hmm. and here's the messed up part those practitioners are allowed to charge yeah that's i mean oof and you, again you're trying to respect wishes and whatnot but if they are charging exorbitant amounts of money, that's scary. It makes me sad. Yeah. And I get it. Like you want to follow your beliefs, but that's a rough one. Especially for a doctor, you try to make sure that you're doing the best you can for the patients. And when you see something where you know you can do something, but you can't, it hurts. It hurts a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the situation here too. So yeah. That's a yeah. tough one. And uh Ultimately, what ends up happening, we don't really get a resolution no. of this plot. 
No. But also but we do get uh, the plastic surgeon who's who doesn't know that he's the father of the boy who hit her. No. Um, the he comes in and uh, does checks her charts and things like that, and yeah. says that if you like, if you don't operate in forty eight hours, in forty eight hours, she will go blind. Oof. I will say you cannot time how long a nerve has to live. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on how long the blood has not been perfusing that area, but also the optic nerve. You're worried more about like all the muscles and all the stuff around it too. So I wonder if there was so much bleeding behind that eye that I was pushing up. And usually yeah. those patients are in excruciating pain. It's something called like, um, I think it's ocular compartment syndrome. Mm-hmm. So the way we treat that is we actually crush the tissue on the outside of your eye and then cut it so that we can release the pressure. So your eye can push out and relieve some of the pressure in that area. I'm watching the. I'm I'm having this conversation with my prosthetic eye out, and yeah, I've never done it on a real patient. I've only done it on cadavers, and they tell us, "Oh, you're you want to feel the guitar string in the side of the eye, and when you feel the guitar string, you snip it, and then that's what's going to relieve all the pressure in the eye." Oh, no, eye stuff is one of those things that creep me out. I'm not gonna. Yeah, lie. yeah. I mean, especially for you. Um, yeah. But you I, watched Saw 2 with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> it was one of our least medically accurate episodes. It was our direct follow up to. Uh, no, it was actually, it, we, we gave it a 200% because it was right after Human Centipede. Oh, you're and right. so we, we, uh, we overgraded it. Yeah. Because we didn't have anything else to compare it to. <laughs> um, but yeah. Eye stuff grows. Uh, the other thing I didn't appreciate about this episode is, or sorry, about this whole coma scene is um, talking about the coma scale. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that she was on a six, apparently. Of, out of what? And what coma scale are we using? Because she's on the Glasgow coma scale, she's like six, which is less than eight, which means she needs to be intubated. Mm-hmm. Less than eight, intubate. That's that's the the key mantra in the emergency department. Mm-hmm. What all my residents and all my learners look for is that one patient that has a less than GCS or an eight uh, GCS less than eight and needs to be intubated. Um, so I don't understand that whole thing. The other thing too is if she did hurt her neck, which I'm pretty sure she did, that she collar, wasn't immobilized. It wasn't. It was that that soft pillowy mm-hmm. kind of restraint that you see patients get put in whenever they accidentally hire a ambulance chaser. That's essentially the ambulance chaser's collar. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like to me. I'm trying to think if there's anything else in that one part that drove me nuts. Oh, here's a fun fact: the mom asked, or the mom said she broke, um, she broke bones in her face, and then said, "Did you know there were 14 bones in the face?" He probably did. That's actually a true fact. There were actually 14. Bones. I googled it. I did too. I wanted to make sure. <laughs> I'm like. Uh, is this the one medically accurate part in this whole episode that I can use to to talk about this in a, a positive light? Yes. Yes, it is. It's the only one. Um, but was there anything else that bothered you in this whole, this one scene of Kara Fitzgerald after her getting hit by a car? There were no other doctors or medical staff or anyone present. Never. He came in, he took a look at her chart. There was no one else there who would have said these things to mom previously. Yeah. 
Also, how did he get operating privileges in that hospital? Oh, yeah. Right? Well, d- did he say that he did? Well, I guess he would have because because he wouldn't have gone in otherwise. I don't know. We're dealing- he, might, he, he might have had him. But he looks like he only works out of his surgery center. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he even looks like he brought that patient to his surgical center to do all of his work. Because that whole the, operating scene was kind of odd. Well, that wasn't that, that wasn't her though. No, that was her because she had a really swollen face. Oh yeah, that was a really okay. busy day for him, and he did like a bunch of surgeries that day. And I don't understand the whole timeline of this entire episode. Okay, but this is not a screenwriting podcast. <laughs> I just was very confused about how he went from operating on this girl's face to doing the breast operation. And then bounce back and forth. Like I didn't understand that at all. Oh, the one thing I did appreciate that was medically accurate was him checking the optic nerve. Sorry about jumping around, you guys. Mm-hmm. So, what would if you had to check someone's optic nerve, like the the part that helps them see? What's the one thing you can do to make sure their eyes are still working? What would you say? A uh, flashlight. Yeah, and that's actually what he did. Was he checked the pupils? So. If your optic nerve isn't working, you wouldn't have the reflexive movement of the pupils constricting. So I think that's what he was checking for. Mm-hmm. But by the time that that reflex is gone, it's too late. Mm-hmm. And I think he was being real cavalier, Sean was, saying that, hey, there's only 48 hours left before that girl goes blind permanently. And I don't think you can tell that just from mm-hmm. shining a light in someone's eye. And also, your cheekbone doesn't press against that nerve. That nerve is behind your eyeball. Like, it's the basically the, the tether to your tether ball. And that's way, like, posterior to your eyeball. So if you think about your cheekbone, you need a lot of blood filling up that whole orbital cavity and pushing on that nerve to actually cause that. And not just the fracture itself extending towards that nerve. Okay. Yeah. Also, you don't do x-rays of the face to diagnose that. Because of the fact that's also x-rays of the brain? Yes. You can't do x-rays of the brain either. X-rays of the brain and the face don't work. That's like when I watched an episode of 50, or was it A Thousand Ways to Die? It was like this really popular show. And they said a couple was having sex on an x-ray machine, and then the guy got irradiated a bunch of times and died from brain x-rays. I already knew that that was a fake story. I actually had to go, this is dumb. I know you just wanted to title the episode Sex Ray. Shame. (laughs) That's the only reason why you came up with that story. That is the fakest story I've ever seen. So you cannot, A, you can't x-ray your brain. And B, unless the fracture is gigantic or there's a jagged piece of bone, it is unlikely that your cheekbone can cause compression of your, or sorry, cutting off the blood supply to your optic nerve. Okay. Yep. And then since we talked, we kind of talked about B plot. I mm-hmm. think we should talk about the B plot. Yeah. Speaking of things uh, driving you nuts, mm. the situation with the B plot is that the other doctor, um, no, I guess the same doctor, same doctor, still Doctor McNamara, mm-hmm. um, has a patient uh, who he had who he removed a birthmark from his scrotum, mm-hmm. a big honking recognizable birthmark mm-hmm. because 
the patient said that his fiance hated it and he wanted to have it removed mm-hmm. before the honeymoon. Yeah. And that he was promised that it would be, you know, completely cleared up. No scar, no nothing within no a couple of weeks. Yeah. No, no remnants. remnants. Yeah. Which is a very unreasonable thing to ask of a doctor, especially mm-hmm. if it's like a birthmark that's been there your whole life. You can only do so much. And also, if they cut it, there's going to be a scar there from just cutting it, right? Yeah. So so what would the procedure be for removal of a birthmark, you know, non, non-testicular, non just in general? It depends on what kind of birthmark we're dealing with. Like, is this a mangioma? Um, then you're dealing with the dilated blood vessel. So you're trying to get rid of that dilated blood vessel and then making sure that there's blood flow still that's going on, right? If it's like a mole, then you just cut it out. But then mm-hmm. you also still need to sew up that area. So it would still be suspicious because you'd still have you know, a scar there or any other kind of like um, a wine stain even. Mm-hmm. You would still cut out that area and sew it up. So the, the fact that there's still a scar there is still incriminating in that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason we're saying incriminating is that it turned out that this guy was not getting it removed for his wife because he was married to God because he was a Catholic priest who had been accused by 10 children of assault improper things. Yeah. And all of them mentioned this birthmark Yeah, and he got away with it because of, because, because he was examined and there was no birthmark. This is straight out of the Michael Jackson case because they also made Mm -hmm. him, um, all the kids expo- or accused him of assault because they saw a birthmark in his genitals. And I remember watching that press conference of him saying how he had to expose himself so that people can examine him. Mm-hmm. And this is the same exact situation. And then hearing the two doctors argue whether or not they should come forward and report it was mm-hmm. real frustrating to me. Because in this situation, you have an obvious answer of present of preventing harm yeah you sh- and also you're not going to get in trouble because if you document correctly and say hey this is a guy who wants this procedure done because he wants his fiance to not be grossed out by his birthmark that that'll hold up in court i agree with you but i don't think that's the argument they were having i don't no. think they were having the argument of this will this hold up in court the the argument is going to be we also are the ones who did the surgery. Uh, I'm sorry, did the surgery? Well, no, uh, who our patients are going to come to us, you know, because because they're having an affair uh, or because their their spouse is having an affair and they want to feel better about themselves after that. Mm-hmm. And all and that these doctors are exposed to a lot of dirty laundry, especially because. Um, they're on FX, and that's what FX is there for, is yeah. shows about dirty laundry in 2005. Yes. Um, and Realized. so th- the argument was not, we're going to lose our license over this. The argument is, we're going to lose our pa- our practice because our patients won't trust us. But I feel like you should probably be applauded for this. I agree. Because you are turning in someone who's going to hurt a lot more people. That is why the show about this podcast is going to be so boring. 
because we won't have those conf- those ethical conflicts. Yes, it is true. Um, it's it's like when someone asks us to do exams and stuff like that, and we have to release it to the police. Well, when someone asks me to do exams, I don't have an ethical problem because I haven't taken a Hippocratic oath. The hippopotamus oath. I've taken a hippopotamus oath. <laughs> you're talking. You're telling me that clinic you have in the back of your van is not kosher. Illegal? It's kosher. It's just not 100% medically, uh, you know, sanctioned. Accurate. <laughs> yeah, but it's completely kosher. <laughs> it's 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 part. It's partially kosher. Yeah, that that counts. Then, but I don't know why this was a struggle. Maybe it's because I'm not fully jaded as a physician yet. Mm-hmm. But when I heard the story, I go, the answer is so simple, and I don't know why it's not simple. Mm-hmm. Um, medically accurate, yeah. I'm I'm sure there are doctors out there that have this discussion and like think about what they should do. But if you have someone who is on TV flaunting that they couldn't find evidence against them, I almost want to do it out of spite. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, you thought you got away? No way, man. You are not getting away. You need justice for all these patients or all which these happened victims. Yeah, after he got stabbed in quote unquote the artery that. What is what did Christian say? I know which arteries to cut to kill you. He stabbed him right in the penis artery. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna kill him. I mean, he cut his femoral. Maybe if he, maybe if he cut deeper, that might have mm-hmm. done something. And with a upward slashing motion. I again, I know this is an audio medium, and I'm showing the or now gesture, but you really have to cut through a lot of things to cause an. A significant amount of damage to injure or harm this patient. Mm-hmm. Also, who brings a scalpel to a confessional? The kind of the person who's going to a confessional to extort a confession. Yeah, uh, I guess I'm trying. He had plans. He had a tape recorder and a scalpel. Was that a tape recorder or was that his like fancy 2005 cell phone? I thought it was like a uh, either a tape recorder or like a dictaphone. Remember how small cell phones were? That's that's what I thought. That's it was. true. Like, oh, it could have been. Yeah, it could have been a StarTac. It could have been a StarTac. So for him to call nine one one, call the police, mm-hmm. and get that done. Oh, you're right. He did end up calling the police and say, saying, "Confess, confess, confess." I yes. thought he was saying, "Confess to the tape." No, I think I I yeah, legitimately think, right. think that is a tiny baby phone. I think you're right, and that that's technologically accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. Um, that whole thing, oh, that that case gave me the heebies real bad. Yeah. I, I never would have, I did not think that plot was going to go in that direction. No, no, not at all. And I think I watched it with my wife and she was like, I'm like, are you going to watch the rest of the series? Like, maybe now. I've heard it's great. Nip Tuck's great. Um, fun story. I think I watched this episode with my parents. Oh. This is an awkward episode to watch with your parents. When yeah, you I can't think of it think of an episode of that that would be not awkward to watch with your none parents. None of the series is uh none of the series is family appropriate. There was mm-hmm. definitely but there were a lot of but in this, mm-hmm. this show. Um but I think this was peak the peak age of um edgy TV on FX. Yeah. This this was like just pre Mad Men uh, right around the time Dexter. I mean, none of these are FX shows, but it's it's like that. We're just getting into we're we're pre Breaking Bad, Golden Age of Television. 
It was a lot of prestige television. Yeah. And this show's great. Um, I really love Nip Tuck. It does get stupid weird, though. After season three, I would say, after the Carver is introduced, it gets real weird. Mm-hmm. But it's an enjoyable show. This episode in particular was a good episode um, just to watch to see how they approached, I guess, the pers- interpersonal relationships of the surgeons, but also a lot of weird ethical stuff. And I think that mm-hmm. whole Christian scientist thing was big. Also, oh, I forgot to mention the whole Sean doing surgery on his mistress part. Yeah. That's a no-no. You should never be doing um, procedures, especially a cosmetic type of procedure on someone you know. Uh, especially if it's in your own clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, funny story, I did a procedure on my friend. Uh, he had an abscess on his chest, and I had to get it out. But I did it in my clinic, and I tried to pawn him off on one of my colleagues because, you know, I'm not. Because you knew him. Yeah, but also I shouldn't be doing a procedure on my friend. Right. My colleague came back, goes, no, nah, he wants you to do it. And I go, okay, I guess it's me. But I also had a bunch of people in that room, too, to make sure that everything was on the up and up and I wasn't doing mm-hmm. uh, dicey stuff. And also, it was not my own clinic. It was someone else's. It was a clinic I worked for, which is mm-hmm. totally different in that situation. But it's something to think about. Like, you get compromised if you're doing something for someone else or someone something for someone you know. Mm-hmm. You're going to get really into your own head. You're going to mess up a lot more. But also, they know where you live. Mm-hmm. And they will get very upset about it. But yeah, that one was a tough one, too. But Johnny, was there anything else that you were kind of weirded out or miffed about this episode? Those were, I mean, uh, not especially. No, I've I've heard that the show is overall very medically accurate. Yes, we didn't see much in the way of medicine. Like, uh, I'm sorry, we didn't see much in the way of plastic surgery happening. No. I will say the one scene where the there were two scenes where they did plastic surgery. One was like operating on the face. One was operating on the breast. And of course, that w- the breast one was the one that got interrupted by Christian mm-hmm. completely breaking sterility. Just like barges in without oh, yeah. anything and just goes, hey, you were doing what? And then that ruined everything for me on that one. But for the most part, it is pretty accurate. And those surgical centers are very like kind of st- pristine, sterile looking areas. Yeah, and I noticed that specifically, like the that they had. I, I I think I noticed like the covers and everything that they had on everything beforehand. I don't remember if that was in the credits or if that was actually in the show. It, I believe there were parts of it with that war in the show, and mm-hmm. oh, it was what it was. It was the something that you, that you brought up before that was the barrier between the face and the uh, the patient's face. And the surgical area. Yeah. And they used that's what I one. noticed. Yeah. And they used a clear one because you don't want to hide them patient faces and you want to know which patient they're op- they're operating on because we're watching television. Correct. Most of the time those surgeons do not want to see who's on the other side. And it's just like a paper, paper mm-hmm. chart, more or less. But yeah. Um, one thing I know I don't think that I noticed that there was an an uh, anesthesiologist. You're right. The silence was me thinking and pondering. I don't think there was. I know the there- silence was also the anesthesiologist not saying anything because they weren't there. Playing playing on the cell phone. 
Yeah. Yes. In, in the other room or doing a crossword puzzle. And this time it was doing a crossword puzzle. Nowadays it's playing on the cell phone. I know this because I played an anesthesiologist on TV. We'll talk about that episode in the future. I think the note I wrote the most is, why aren't these doctors reporting this birthmark case sooner over and over again? That was frustrating to me. That was okay. frustrating. If you have a chance to prevent someone from getting hurt, why are you not doing it? Mm-hmm. Do the right thing. But again, this is a show about two doctors who definitely don't do the right thing ever. No. They are horrible people. That's the whole premise of this show. Good show. Speaking though. of premises of shows. Yes. The premise of this show is that uh-huh. the human centipede bills itself as 100% medically accurate. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, and that's our baseline, how medically accurate is season one, episode eight of Nip Tuck, Kara Fitzgerald? Okay. Um, I, I'm going to give them bonus points for saying that a legitimate fact that there are 14 bones in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you, you earn credit for that. Um, the whole optic nerve fracture thing kind of lost some points for me and the whole ER, sorry, the whole ICU presentation was, was frustrating in general. But I will say this is that the medical accuracy of it is almost on par of the human centipede, right? All right. It's very close to the human centipede in terms of hokiness and um, medical adjacentness, I guess, just like how that's a, as much of a real world. Uh, I'd say one one ten. Okay. I th- yeah, one hundred ten. I think is a fair number to give it because there's a lot of mistakes in it, um, but not enough that makes me think that it's worse than the human centipede. It's just slightly okay. better. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else we want to add about it? Anything um, you do to make it more accurate? To make it more accurate, I mean, the complaint's always there. It needs more, more blood. blood. Yeah. Um, when they took off the bandages, the swelling was actually surprisingly accurate for someone who has been covered up for a while. But again, I would expect it to be, and this is some from someone who takes off a lot of bandages. It's really hard to take off bloody bandages that have dried. Mm -hmm. Um, it sticks quite a bit to their face or to whatever wound it is. It's like when you had a, when you have a cut and you take off the bandage, sure that he, the adhesive is hard, but the minute you get to your cut part and the scabs there, it's really hard to come off. Mm-hmm. Same situation, except she had a lot more cuts. So the struggle of taking off a heavily injured face, face with a lot of bleeding and trauma, that I could make look more accurate. And also increase the stakes, too, because trying to take off the bandage to show the mom and then seeing the struggle of taking mm-hmm. off the bandage, it, it hits home quite hard in that situation. Um, and then I think that's the big stuff. Oh, make your ICU look more realistic. But that's a complaint I have with a lot of medical shows, especially medical shows of this era is that everyone's more focused on the gore and just how people look so drastically ill, but not how they manage the day to day sickness of a patient. Mm -hmm. And honestly, no, no, Cobra Kai did not do it better than this. I can't think of an example where it was a better ICU than this one, at least at this moment in time. I don't know if you can. Mm. I guess I'm not offhand. Good doctor. No. Yeah. I would say good doctor. Good doctor looked more realistic than this one. 
but that's also 20 years difference. Yeah. Yep. But that's like the big stuff. Okay. I still would recommend watching this show. The show's great. Um, this episode's a heavy episode. Maybe start two episodes before so you can really figure out how bad all everybody is and how hard it was for them to make the decision to report this pervert priest. Mm-hmm. Yep. All yeah. right. Not a super lighthearted episode. No, no, uh, <laughs> not, not a, not a fun filled romp. Uh, maybe next week we'll do something a little bit more light and fluffy. I'll find something. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Jackson, as always. Yep. Uh, thanks folks for listening. Like I said, uh, if you're listening to this on the 16th of March, 2021, which is the day it came out tomorrow, we will be doing a AMA on Reddit at 10 AM Pacific. And on Saturday, the 27th, uh, we'll be doing our Reddit AMA. Let me double, or not our Reddit AMA, our WonderCon. Let me double check that date just to make sure. March 27th, 5 March 27th, 5 p.m. Time. Cool. Uh, details will be on the WonderCon website, also on the Comic-Con YouTube channel as yep. well. Um, you can watch it there. And then if for some reason you missed it, we'll have it on our channel that following yep. Tuesday. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks, folks, uh, once again, and we'll be back next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.